Hallelujah. Let's turn our Bibles today to Romans, the 8th chapter, verse 14 through 17, I believe. We are going to talk about being led of the Holy Ghost. We're going to start it today, and then next week we're going to find out how uh, does he lead us. And uh, I was just thinking today, it started to change the message, but I went back to it. So we're going to look, and we're going to get into the Word. One thing that the church needs to realize is that we are not a natural church. We are a supernatural church. Amen. In Romans, the 8th chapter, verse 14, it says, Now, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons, and we could add daughters of God, for ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then we are heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, we may be also glorified together. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, I kind of like to think along this line that as many people that choose to be led by the Spirit of God, they step into the fullness of God's design for the adopted son or daughter. See, we cannot do it just by want to or self-initiative. We can't do it just by discovering things on our own. It has to be by the Spirit. Now, that word led simply means those that are guided, those that receive counseling. They are those that produce evidence. In life's hardest times, they receive and produce evidence. In other words, they have successful outcomes in the middle of life's traumatic situations. And so we as Christians are to be led. We are to take the counsel of God. And it says, as many as are led. That means that the counsel and the guidance is available. But there are certain things that you and I have to do in order to uh, receive or to partake of it. Not everybody walks in the counsel of the God. Of God. Now, we can be in the Spirit by simply being born again. But the Bible doesn't encourage us just to be born again. It says, if we are in the Spirit, let us walk. Walk. So that tells us that we can be in the Spirit, connected to the kingdom of God, reconciled unto the Father. We can have an inheritance, but unless we do something, Thing, we will never come to what the promise wants to produce in our life. Could I get an amen? And so if, if it was me, I would think that maybe I ought to invest in, 
maybe I ought to find out how to, maybe I ought to see what God's plan or God's leading, God's counsel is for my life. Amen? And so we are going to talk about being led of God's Spirit. The Bible says in Revelations, He that hath an ear, hath an ear, let him hear. Hearing is not up to God, it's up to the believer. Amen. And God is speaking every moment of every day to our life. And He's speaking to deliver us from our own plans and purposes. That tells me that our plans and our purposes are never going to bring us to where God wants us to go. Now, I know that you're smart, I know that you're wise, I know you're educated, I know you got it all together, but I'm telling you, if you've got it all together, you are still going to miss God's best because it's found in the counsels and the guidance of His Spirit. So we have to awake. Somebody say awake. We have to awake to the moment that you and I are in. We have to become aware. We have to open our ears. We have to start hearing. We have to start applying. We have to get involved in our life. It amazes me how many people are totally detached from their own life except by natural means. But we are of the Spirit of God. We belong to the kingdom of God. And we have a different set of rules. We have a different set of counsel. We have a different directive. And we have a different source of enablement, which is called the Holy Ghost. But some of us have become drunk. How many of you, when you used to drink, knew when you were getting drunk? Or did it all of a sudden, somebody said, you're drunk, and you said, yep. You agreed with them. And it made you think differently, it made you respond differently, it made you do all kinds of things that you ordinarily wouldn't do. Well, The body of Christ is really intoxicated with the world. We're intoxicated about everything about the world when all the world is designed to do is to intoxicate you. That's it. Now, of course, the word intoxication means, or drunkenness means, to get intoxicated, to lose or separate yourself from your common sense or the rationale. But it also means this word, back in Joel, the first chapter, it means, hey, awake, all of you drunken Israelites. Awake, and I will return you Awake, because while you're slumbering, 
I am bringing a nation that is not born of you. That was the Gentile nation. God was doing something supernatural and Israel never realized it, which was fulfilling the prophecy of Joel for the day of Pentecost, but they were unaware of it because they were intoxicated or separated from the rationale and the spiritual dealings that their forefathers had. Now that word drunken in that passage of Scripture means this. You have become fatuated and engrafted in habits. Habits. What kind of habit keeps you from having a prayer life? You're intoxicated. You have really lost your spiritual mind. We have come to believe if we work more, we can get more. That's not true at all. Oh, but I know if you work hard, you'll get... Yes, you'll get blisters, you'll get wore out, you'll get old, you'll get a lot of things. But you may not be a success. And what is it if you would gain the whole world and lose your soul? So what happens is we get intoxicated. In fact, we get so disillusioned. Remember one of the uh, exhortations in kind of word of the Lord was that he is a master of deception. And this is the work of the enemy. And what he does is he tries to get you induced or committed to a habit of doing certain things in life. It amazes me that people are not too tired to watch late night talk shows. Nobody's too tired to stay up and finish watching the movie. Nobody's too tired for this or that or that or this, but when it comes to getting up for prayer, Guess what? We are in a habit, we are intoxicated, and we miss the leading of God. It, we miss the leading of God. And so we're going to have to get unintoxicated. And I will say this, that when you get intoxicated, you just don't hear. One time I woke up in the morning after a drunken fiasco and I had these bumps across my forehead. And I asked my mother because I remember I brought her home from her job which she worked at the bar where I got drunk at. And uh, she had never worked a job so she took the job that she could get. And uh, she told me this story. She said, honey, all of those men come in there and spend hundreds of dollars getting drunk, complaining they're broke and unemployed. 
Now, if I could switch that scenario and make those bar stools pews, I would have the church doing everything that they shouldn't do complaining about the lack that they have because all they're doing is getting intoxicated with the world's opportunities. The world is not your answer. Could it get an amen? It's not your answer. Jesus is your answer. And we need to be led by the guidance and the counsels of God. And I don't care what you're facing, you are no match without for it or with it without the Holy Ghost. But when you get the Holy Ghost and you get filled with the Holy Ghost and you start placing time and energies into establishing His counsel and His guidance, you are going to be a success. And so sometimes we are intoxicated and we don't hear. We don't hear. I hear Phyllis all the time saying, don't you hear me? Yes, I did. Well, why didn't you answer me? I didn't think what you were commanding me to do was important enough to answer. I hear lots of things that I don't respond to. And it doesn't bother me. I have a clean heart. And I have a pure conscience that she could do it herself if she wanted. There ain't no sense in doing stuff for people that they can do on their own. Could have given an amen. You're right. Hallelujah. All right. Now, when we don't hear, we miss out on things that God wants for our life. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. But those that are in habits of not rising up for us to fellowship together never hear what I'm saying. When does Jesus reveal the secret mysteries of the kingdom? Not on the other side of the door. They aren't for everybody. They're for you. And if we get into habits that keep us from investing into our relationship with the Holy Ghost, then what we're going to do, we are never going to hear the secret things of the kingdom. Amen? And one word from God can transform a life. Amen. And it's not the word of Dr. Phil, which I'm sure that he's a nice guy. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I said, I'm sure. I'm, I shouldn't say sure, but I guess he's a nice guy. I just don't know him. So we have to make sure that we spend time and that we don't get in excessive states of creating habits that exclude God. That means that we have to create habits that do 
Romans 13, 11 says, now it's high time. It's high time. That word high time means that this is the season fixed by God. Yeah, but what does that mean? That means every day. Every day there is a season that God wants to meet with you. Oh, but I've got this, I've got that. You're drunken on habits. Stop doing what you're doing and get involved with the fellowship of him that can do it. Amen. And so, it's high time that we awake. Why? Now. This present moment, this emphatic attention-grabbing second is the time for salvation to break forth on you. Not tomorrow, right now, this moment. Salvation stands ready in whatever capacity that you need it. It stands ready to break forth upon you. But it needs your now. It needs your high time. It needs you to realize that the second hand has arrived at its point on the clock for you. So it's high time. You ever heard that high noon? Uh, what is his name? Uh, Clint Eastwood, hallelujah. Raw hide. Get him up, move him up. We need to get ready. We need to awake because God's not putting it off till tomorrow. God's moment of deliverance is for you right now. And he wants to give you the key. He wants to give you the counsel. He wants to give you the leading to get out of where you're at right now. Not tomorrow, not next special meeting, not next healing meeting, no, no, right now. Today, now is the high time of salvation for our life. So we need to get prepared. Amen? Let's go to Acts, the 8th chapter, in verse 9. How we need the leading of the Holy Ghost. Acts, the 8th chapter, and let's look at verse 9 through 11. Then we're going to go from 18 through 24. This is the wrapping up of Philip's revival meeting. And verse 11, it says... And to him they had regard. Uh, well, I'm sorry. Let's go to verse 10. This will give you a background. To whom they all gave heed, talking about Simeon, from the least to the greatest, the least to the greatest, saying, This man is great power of God. And to him they all gave regard, because of a long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. In other words, he made them intoxicated. And it says, but when they believed Philip, 
preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were all baptized, both men and women. Then Simeon himself believed also. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. Now let's go down to verse 18. And here arrives Peter on the scene. And when Simon saw, Simeon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money. Why does he do that? He's in the habit. He's in the habit of gaining spiritual opportunity by money. And then it says this, saying, give me also this power that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. But Peter said unto him, thy money perish with thee because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter. For thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness, and pray, God, that if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. For I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. Then answered Simon and said, Pray ye to the Lord for me, that none of these things which ye have spoken come upon me. Now what Simeon did was he did ignorantly. He did it because that was the habit that he was in. So he could not be led of God, could not be obedient to the Scriptures. He could not be compliant to faith. So Peter knows what's in his heart. How does Peter know that? When it seems like he doesn't know too much of anything up to this point. How? The Holy Ghost. Peter knows what is in this man's heart because of the counsel and the leading of the Holy Ghost. Now, we'll talk about how that comes next week. But realize that Peter recognizes there's something not right with this guy. Now, understand that Peter not only saves himself from being joined to a man that may have ended up bewitching him or drawing him from the truth, but he also saves Simeon's life. Because without recognizing what was taking place in Simeon's life, Simeon would have continued down that path. So not only does Peter save himself, but he recognizes a perverted, wrong, demonic, wicked, induced behavior or motive in Simeon's life. Now, so for all of this, 
we have to understand that Peter gets the counsel of God. Now, Peter's not trying to be mean. You might think, well, well, he's being hard. Maybe he is, maybe he's not. Because you don't know the motive of the language, but you do know the intent was to save the man and to protect his life with Christ. So we see that Peter speaks a word. In Simeon's season, what's his season? It's a season where he is going to make a decision to follow God or to continue in wickedness. And so Peter speaks a word. Somebody say a word. In due season. Isn't a word in due season great? Absolutely. Anybody know how we could speak words of encouragement? No man can tame the tongue. So your tongue is a dangerous flying obstacle. It reaches out and you lash people with it. You, you know, you, you gather information like a, a snake, you, you know, and you take it all in and then all of a sudden you just release venom. Doesn't matter if you know it's true or not, you just make a lie. You share what should not be shareable because it's all speculation. Phyllis? Three questions. Do I wear jockey, boxer, or thongs? Now, none of you know. But some of you are going to go home and discuss that little segment of the message, and you're not going to know. You're, you're not going to know, because all of them get stuck in the same place. So see, you presume that you just got a little insight into my personals. Silk, lacy, or cotton? Spandex, sweat-proof, or breathable? I don't know. What will you come up with? You come up with anything, you are in the gall of bitterness. Now listen. We can't tame our tongue. But who can tame our tongue? The Holy Ghost can. Remember, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2.14 that the Holy Ghost teaches us to speak words of wisdom. Not after our own understanding, but after His. Wouldn't it be great that we could encourage everybody and speak the truth and be still when we don't know it? That might stop a lot of things that are being conjured up, things that are being set in motion, doorways to hell that ignite fires. What if we could just say something good. My father-in-law used to say this. They'd be talking about people, he'd say, well, he sure can whistle. I used to think, what in the world? If you can't add nothing to the criticism, just shut up. But his point was this. You don't know anything about the man. But surely he can whistle. 
Phyllis's mother one time. What was the lady's name? Uh, Virgie. Virgie. Was this a... Her sister-in-law. Well, one day, Virgie called up Adi. Uh, yeah, she called up another friend, but she dialed Adi's number. So as before Adi gets to say, hello, this is Adi Williams, Virgie launches an attack thinking she's talking to her friend. And she just goes on about A.D. Williams. Now listen, my mother-in-law was probably one of the reasons that I'm saved today. She was, a, you, if, if everybody left the room and it was you and her, if you was a man, she could up and leave the room. She was just that type of woman. I loved her. If I came in at 2 o'clock in the morning, she made me breakfast, got up 5.30 to go squirrel hunting, she made me breakfast again. What a woman. <laughs> Didn't Phyllis inherit that? <laughs> Are you kidding? No. Anyway, old Virgie is talking to Ada for about an hour, just telling her friend what 80 is not, and just man lambasting her and all that. Finally, mommy gets through to her and says, Virgie, Virgie, Virgie. She said, what? She said, this is 80. <laughs> Virgie drops the phone and becomes deathly sick. How long was she in the bed? Three days, Three days she was in that bed like a tomb. Now, Mommy was far more gracious than I would have been. I would have called 82 repentance in front of that little gray eagle church. Virgie. Yeah, I wouldn't have called 80. Virgie. But Virgie got sick because all she did was talk about stuff that really wasn't even stuff. I mean, Phyllis had some weird in-laws. We all do, you're right. And uh, so we want to make sure that we don't say stuff that's not guided by the Holy Ghost. Think of this, how clear the air would be if we didn't add trash to it through our words. Yep. I know that some of us, when we were born, God had to plant a woods to transfer that carbon dioxide that you put out all the time back to oxygen. But we need to be careful with our words. We need to allow the Holy Ghost, could have given amen, a Holy Ghost, to deal with us. Let's go to Acts 11, 12 through 15. Acts 11. This again is Peter. And of course, we all know that the book of Acts is many times referred to as being the book of the Acts of the Holy Ghost. It's what he does in 
people's lives. In Acts 11:12, and the Spirit bade me, Peter, to go with them, nothing doubting, nothing doubting. If we would get the counsel and the guidance of the Holy Ghost, how much bolder and how much more filled with faith would we be? Yes. And moreover, these six brethren accompanied me, and we entered into the man's house, and he showed us how he had seen an angel in his house, which stood and said unto him, Send men to Joppa, call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter, who shall tell thee words whereby thou and all thy household shall be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them as on us at the beginning. Now here the Holy Ghost bade Peter to go. Now what did Peter do at this time? He judged these men. Are these men from God? Are these the purpose or the plan that God would have me step into? How many of us get involved in things that we shouldn't be involved in? How many things do we commit ourselves that we're not to be committed to? Well, all of us have had a pack, an apple out of that pack. We've all done that. And then we pray about it, or then we say, oh man, I wish I hadn't done that. But to your own harm, you have to fulfill your will, your word. Amen? And so, what does Jesus do? Remember, he that is spiritual judges all things. In other words, he gives time for things to be examined. Give time for what you're hearing, what you're about to do, to be looked at by the Holy Ghost because He will see things that you won't. John 16, 13. Can we have that on the screen? John 16, 13. And it says, How be it when He, the Spirit of truth, talking about the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of truth, when He comes is come, he will guide, lead you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Notice his office. He shall show you or speak the truth. He is the spirit of truth. Does anybody know what truth does? You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. In other words, truth will deliver you from error. From error. So if we spend time, the spirit of truth is going to lead us into areas that things that are habit, things that are addictive, things that we are bound to are going to be broken off. He does sanctify us. Amen? He sanctifies us. He cuts things away from us to allow you and I to be free. 
The Holy Ghost is not trying to penalize us, not trying to make life miserable. He's trying to get you delivered so that you can be a free agent to move with God. The word sanctify means to cleanse, to set apart for priestly work. In other words, God wants to transform you by truth, and he wants to sanctify you for his purpose. But without being sanctified, you cannot be set where God wants you to, to be used by him. you got to be sanctified. The Holy Ghost will do that. In other words, he will show you truth. Somebody say truth. I remember Phyllis and I were getting ready to go out into the ministry, and uh, when I told her, she cried. I mean, she cried, cried, cried. Finally, I just jumped on her and cast the devil out of her. But we accepted that we were going to go into ministry. And God showed Phyllis, before we ever decide to go into ministry, that she should buy a freezer and that she would buy a half a beef, right? Then she complained I fixed hamburger every night. What are you supposed to fix out of beef? Hamburger. Well, every night we had broiled hamburger, fried hamburger, deep fried hamburger, baked hamburger. We had hamburger, 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 hamburger. We were called the Hamburgerians. And anyway, God spoke to her. So she said, God, you're going to have to give me a freezer. A man came up to her at work and said, you know what? My wife and I are getting a divorce, and I want to sell the freezer because I don't want her to have it. Phyllis said, well, how much you want for it? He said, $100. She said, okay, I'll give you $100. Lo and behold, we had a freezer. Then right after that, we were able to purchase a half a beef. So God provided for us, but he showed us things to come. And that's what the Holy Ghost will do. He'll show you things to come. So we need to be patient. Could again, amen. And so we have to be patient, but we have to allow God to work with us. Because as God is doing things, you know, it is on a time frame. You know, there's a time to plant and there's a time to pluck up that which is planted. But only God knows those seasons in those times. Amen? And so you and I have to allow the Holy Ghost to lead us and to guide us. Now, we can't do that if we don't have him. We can't do that if we don't give him time. He repeats what he hears in heaven. Do you want to hear from heaven? Then you're going to have to give time for the Holy Ghost to bring it to you. He will tell you what he has heard in heaven. In other words, he'll tell you the plans and the purposes of God for your life. He'll show you things to come. Then in John 14, 26, he'll bring all things back to your remembrance. All things back to your remembrance. 
in Acts, the 13th chapter, 2 through 4, where the, pat, the teachers, the elders, and the prophets were gathered, and the word of the Lord came. The word of the Lord came. The word of the Lord came. They were there fasting and praying. The word of the Lord came. And it says, separate me now, Paul and Barnabas, for the call or for the purpose that I have equipped them for. What if Paul and Barnabas would have been a month before? They would have been failures. They would have been out of the timing of God. They would have been out of the steps of God. But God speaks to the prophets, and these men speak, and they say, look, now's the time. Paul, as great as he was going to be, was humbled enough to wait on God. How could he move forward without God? You know, God will fill your mouth if you will give him time to do so. The Bible says that when you don't know how to pray, the Holy Ghost himself will speak for you. I'd much rather the Holy Ghost fill my mouth as I fill it with my foolish self. Amen? All right, let's go to one more and we're going to wrap up. 1 Kings 17. 1 Kings 17 in verse 2. Remember, these are things that men did in their ordinary lives. Their ordinary lives. The Holy Ghost wants to be involved in everyday life. Everyday life. But he will not unless we give him place. You've got to give him place and give him time. First Kings 17, 2. And the word of the Lord came to him, Elijah saying, Get thee hence and turn the eastward and hide thyself by the brook Chedrith that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. And so he went, did according to unto the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the brook Chedrith that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread hopefully Panera, and fresh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. God will position us for seasons if we will listen. God will lead us to divine provision if we listen. God will put us in geographical locations that he has commanded resources to come to in a supernatural way. But if we don't listen, if we don't give him place, if you had a decision to make, it's great to talk to people, 
But why would you talk to people when you could talk to God? The Bible says that when we pray in tongues or speak unto God, we speak the mysteries of God. Could we not ask the Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, I need for you to lead me in this area and show me how to do it. And then begin to pray. And just wait. Well, I ain't got time to wait. Then fail. What do you have time to do? How about if you wanted to get rid of anger? Your wife is going to divorce you. You're being served with papers. What would you do? I got to go to counsel. Got to go to anger management. I got to go to a therapist. They say it's deeply rooted. And you would go and you would spend thousands of dollars. Maybe you would get free. Maybe you wouldn't. But what if you went in and you started just praying in the Holy Ghost, God, I want to get to the root of this. Sanctify me from this work of the flesh. And you started praying in the Holy Ghost. And you prayed in the Holy Ghost. And you prayed in the Holy Ghost. You prayed in the Holy Ghost. You know, I had a friend one time that prayed in the Holy Ghost for six months. Every day he got up and started work at 7 o'clock, took a break when he heard the whistle blow where he used to work. Then he took lunch when they took lunch, took an afternoon break, and then at, the, at 4 o'clock, he quit praying in the Holy Ghost. He did that for six months. Quit his job. He said, when I was done, I had a brand new motor home to travel and to preach in. God had paid all my bills. God had got my house out of debt. My family was fed, and I had more money, buddy, you could count with a counter. He said, all I did was pray in the Holy Ghost eight hours a day. You might say, oh my word, I would do that. Would you? I don't know. But I know that he did it. And he said, and the first thing that I did when I got out of my basement, I was walking down the street, and I stopped this guy and started telling him about Jesus. And he said, and all of a sudden, he told me, I don't believe in that stuff. I'm a Jehovah Witness. When he said that, my hand went back I slapped him right in the mouth and he had an abscessed tooth. God healed him and filled his tooth. And he was no longer a Jehovah Witness. How much was that soul worth? Was it worth six months in the Holy Ghost? What could God do through you? What will God do through you? What is he waiting to do through you? Is he waiting to transcend your relationships where God would say like he did to Peter, don't join yourself to him, come out from among him, and then I will be your God.
I don't know, but I do know that the Holy Ghost is right here. And he wants to do something in our lives that we can't do for ourselves. You know, I have been trying to lose weight. Now, I've tried everything that everybody else tells me, and I'm just telling you, they're lying to you. No exercise, no fads, no this, no that, no pills, no this, no that. Here, just eat Fuji or tofu for six months. And after six months, you'll stop eating anything. Well, I've tried everything they told me to. Phyllis tells me, honey, just do what I tell you. Then after I do what she tells me, she sits on the other couch and says, oh my word, I'm getting so fat and I'm gaining weight. What do you do, Pastor? I just throw the paper plate behind the couch. Why would I listen to a woman that is not working for her? So I decided that I was going to start praying in the Holy Ghost for 15 minutes a day until he tells me what to do and until he changes my desire. Because as I recall, he was there when I was created. So I figured he knows all the bad habits that I have. So I believe that he can get rid of things that I can't. Right? So, I started praying in the Holy Ghost. Phyllis asked me the other day, well, what have you eaten today? I said, some muskmelon and watermelon. That's all? I said, yeah, that's all. Just watermelon and muskmelon. Really? I said, yes. She said, well, I'm proud of you. She said, I'm going to fix a little supper. What would you like? I said, double cheeseburger, some fries, and an ice cream sundae. I mean, I made it two-thirds of the day. Come on, you got to start someplace. Hallelujah. Remember, you can do all things. He that believeth. I just don't believe in all that yet. Now, I'm asking the Holy Ghost to help me. Well, why don't you just be strong? I've tried it for 69 years. It ain't worth one bit. Been tried to be temperate. Tried to stop being impulsive. Tried to go a different route that doesn't have a Dairy Queen. But I'm telling you, all the gas stations have on their windows ice cream sold here. Bunch of devils. But I haven't had an ice cream for how long, Philip? If it's been three days. It's a miracle. And that old doorbell hasn't told on me since. Now, yeah, all righty, praise God. Let's lift our hands up towards heaven just for a moment and just thank God that the Holy Ghost is with you. He's going to lead you. He's going to guide you. He's going to give you counsel. 
He's going to lead you in steps ordered for good men. And you're going to walk as men of old walked. You're going to walk in the ways of wisdom. You're going to walk in the ways of increase. Walk in the ways of peace and of power. God, we just thank you. Holy Ghost, you are with us. And what you did for others, you're doing for us. I believe, Holy Ghost, that you are right now defining divine moments for us. You are defining seasons. God, it's high time that we all walk in the salvation that you have given us. God, I know that you are giving us discernment. You, God, are showing us who to join ourselves with. You, God, are putting a word in our mouth for a due season. God, when we don't know what to pray, the Holy Ghost is praying for us, through us, speaking the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Timing. God, we will be awakened to timing. We will be awakened, God, to geographical locations that you are moving us to. We, God, will be awakened to where your provision will come to our life. We, God, will be aware that it's our time. We will be able to make the choices, God, that you have for us. Awaken us, God. Let us hear what the Spirit of the Lord says. Let us break habits that keep us numb, dull, blind, and deaf to your way. Lead us, God. Hallelujah. Sober us up, Holy Ghost. Sober us up. Sober us up. Sober us up. Let us be filled with the Holy Ghost. Let us begin to sing, rejoice, worship, and give you praise. Oh God, be glorified. Be glorified, Father. And fill us, God, with waters from deep wells, from new God cisterns. God, from new vineyards. God, we ask you to fill us. Fill us, God. Fill us. Fill us. Hallelujah. 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 As we do on most Sundays, if you're here today, you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. He knows that you're here. He knows your name. He is the one that hung on an old rugged cross. He is one that allowed his side to be pierced. His hands to be nailed, his feet, and he bore the crown of a curse upon his head. He let his back be smitten, God, by soldiers that you and I could be healed. He let his blood flow, not for his transgressions, but for yours. Though your sins would be as scarlet, 
Yet, by the blood of the Lamb, they shall be white as snow. Hear me today, sinner. Hear me, backslider. Jesus came to save you. And he's here to save you today. He's here to bind your brokenness up and to wash you with his blood. He's here to forgive you. And he's here to give you a new name. An exchange of unrighteousness for righteousness. Life for death, sorrow for joy. The curse for blessing. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, pray for me. Pray for me that I will see that Jesus is the answer. Just pray for me, Pastor. Pray for me. Let me not go the way of Simeon. But I cry out like Simeon, Pastor, pray for me that I might be saved. You say, Pastor, I want you to pray for me. Raise your hand up. Wherever you are, please raise your hand up so I can see it. Wave it so I can see where it's at. Somebody get my attention if I'm missing it. Hallelujah. 